this morning we're starting a series entitled, titled Heaven, Hell, and Here. Heaven, Hell, and Here. Now, I've pastored for quite a few years now, and uh, there's a lot of kind of thoughts and ideas about what heaven is, what hell is, and, and our guys went out there, they did a little man on the street, you can actually hear uh, some of the responses that people had, but you know, a couple of years ago, there was a book that, was, uh, that came out about a little boy who, whose name was Colton, and the title of the book was Heaven is Real. Anybody remember that book? It actually was turned into a movie, Bishop T.D. Jakes made the movie, it grossed over $100 million. It blew the Hollywood industry away. There is something inside of people that recognize that this life, this life is not all that there is. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks to that. And so this morning we're starting this series entitled Heaven, Hell, and Here. So important, so important for you and I to understand what is going to take place in the future. Now, there's a, a, a term that's been thrown around in our generation or in our, in our modern vernacular right now called fake news. Anybody hear fake news before? Come on, fake news, right? We hear that term a lot. Uh, uh, fake news can also be called urban legends. We just had Hurricane Michael come through, and uh, there is an urban legend that's already spreading on the internet. As a matter of fact, this urban legend started two days after the hurricane. I want to show you a picture. I want to show you an urban legend that's spreading on the internet right now. This is a picture, supposedly, of the airport in Panama City. Everyone say hashtag fake news. Come on, say hashtag fake news. Just help me out. This is real fake news. This, this graphic was a CG that was done in 2013, and it was supposed to show what was going to happen in the future, be, potentially because of global warming on planet Earth. Some graphic artist made this graphic in 2013. It got picked up two days after Hurricane Michael and has gone around the Internet, supposedly, as planes that were left. Now, let me tell you, Delta didn't leave any planes there in Panama City. That's not how it works. It just didn't happen like that. They didn't do that. So uh, there are lots of ideas, uh, lots of concepts out there that get floated around as truth that are not truth. I remember a couple of years back, Bill Gates sent me an email. How, about, how many of you know Bill Gates did not send me an email? Bill Gates, and he said, if I would just put this information in here, then he would send me back a million dollars. Everyone say hashtag fake news. Come on, not real, not true. I mean, there's all kinds of cases in it and things like that. I, I got a letter from a, a lost friend in Nigeria, Nigerian prince. Anybody get that email before? Come on, hashtag fake news. And so there are lots of legends, lots of thoughts about, about the future, about what, what heaven is like. And a lot of it isn't true. A lot of it is based on someone's presupposition, someone's bad pizza meal that they had before they went to sleep that night. But in the course of this series, there's a couple of books that I want to just recommend to you, partially because I have spent weeks and weeks and weeks studying. We're going to do kind of a macro flyover vision of heaven, hell, and here. But I got to tell you, my heart is full. I got a lot more than I'm going to give to you today. But there's a couple of books that will help you if you want to know more about heaven and hell and the future that is to come. Uh, this, this book is very fascinating. It was written by a guy by the name of John Burke. He pastors in Texas. And he, he studied over a thousand people that had near-death experiences. And he's wrapped it into, he's got scripture passages, and he talks a lot about people that experienced uh, life after death and have come back to life again. It's very, very fascinating. This book 
uh, called Heaven by Randy Alcorn in the Evangelical Church is probably one of the definitive works. It's over 500 pages long, and it, it evaluates and looks at every single passage of Scripture in the Bible that pertains to heaven. I would encourage you. I have this book and this book, but this book is great. And this is the, the bestseller of all time. Come on, best-selling book of all time. If you want to know what truth is... If we want to know what heaven is really like, we're going to go back to the Bible. So that's exactly what we're going to do right now. If you have your Bibles, and even if you don't have your Bibles, you have your iPad or your iPhone or however you choose to read Scripture this morning, I want you to stand with me. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. Two passages of Scripture. The first one is found in the Old Testament. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 11. And the, the, the second passage we found in the New Testament, Revelation chapter, th Revelation chapter 21. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon said this, the wisest man that ever lived, he said he has made everything beautiful in his time. Everyone say beautiful. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has set eternity in the human heart. God has set eternity in the human heart. And now let's look at Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 20, our New Testament passage. This is the end of the book. If you, if you really want to get a glimpse of what the future heaven your future eternity is going to be like. Read Revelation chapter 20 through 22, but I'm going to read just a couple of verses here, verses 1 through 5 out of Revelation 21. And the Bible says, this is John who has a revelation, not revelations. He has a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the future events that are going to come. John chapter, Revelation chapter 20 verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Very fascinating. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. I just went to Jerusalem a couple of weeks ago. This is going to be an amazing thing to see. This new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse number three. And I heard a loud voice. From the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place. This wasn't a soft voice. This wasn't a whisper. One translation, there was a shout. There was a loud voice. There was a call. There was a shout from heaven saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse number four. And, I, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Someone said everything new. Then he said, write these words down. For these words are trustworthy and true. These words are trustworthy and true. This morning, I want to speak to you on the topic, heaven is real. Heaven is real. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for this congregation. I want to, first of all, say thank you for all of you that participated in Pastor's Appreciation Day last week. Thank you for your gifts and your kindness to my family, your cards and kind responses. We love you. And I felt this morning that I needed to pray for someone specifically in this service 
you've gone through a very difficult time right now. You're walking through a very emotionally, you're discouraged, you're disappointed in the way things have turned out in your life. And I just felt, I was sitting in the back room, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for someone in this service right now. So I want to pray for all of you, but I want to pray specifically. You know who you are today. You know that you need God's grace just to touch your life in a fresh way. Will you close your eyes as we pray this morning? Father, we are so amazed. Lord, we sang this song, we asked for heaven to come to earth. Lord Jesus, you taught us to pray that way. We've sung that way. We've declared it today. And Lord, in this room, this morning, there is someone, God, they're walking through a dark valley. Maybe it's even the shadow that feels like death to their soul. God, I thank you that you're the God who brings encouragement. You're the God of hope that you've given us your Holy Spirit today to fill, to transform, to change. God, you know who that person is. You know the encouragement that they need. And I pray that in these next few moments, as the hope of heaven is shared, I pray that their hearts will be encouraged. Lord, I speak your life and your blessing today. We pray for every person that's here. We pray that you'll give them a spiritual ear to hear and you'll give them a spiritual eye to see let this not these be my words but let them literally become your words and the ears ears and hearts of those who hear we bless today god i need your grace one more time i thank you for your kindness and your love this day and your wonderful name and everyone said amen you may be seated I've been pastoring. I was, somebody asked me the other day, how long have I been pastoring? I, uh, we actually started full-time in ministry in 1990. So since 1990, I've been serving as a local church pastor. I got, uh, I got good saved. I wouldn't say good saved. November 17th, 1983. And immediately I started to serve in my local church. Became a youth volunteer, went to Bible college in 1985. And so for many years, I've been involved in serving other people in a local church environment. One of my experiences and one of the things that I've done in my role of serving the body of Christ is to be with people at the end of life. And I've been in the hospital when little babies have died. I've been in the hospital when older people have died. I've been in the hospital when people of every season. I've been in people's homes when they've taken their last breath. I've seen many expressions on many different people when it comes to the end of life. It's not something we'd like to think about. We'd like to put it off. We'd like to not, we'd not like to have any kind of thoughts about the end of life. We just kind of want to live for today. But the reality is every person here today, we will breathe our last breath. I've seen people who in the final stages are under such heavy medication, they don't have any idea what's taking place. But I've also been in the room with people when they were fully cognizant. Not that long ago, I was in the room with an individual, and as they were moving towards the final stages, as I tried to leave the room, the individual grabbed my arm. They actually hung onto my arm, and as I was trying to leave, I was almost lifting them out of the bed because they didn't want to die. They did not want to die. You know the old saying, everyone wants to go to heaven, just not yet. And I, remember, I remember thinking at that moment, you know, she really didn't, know what the future holds and we don't really know in our human intellect we don't really really know because none of us have crossed the other side and come back now the bible speaks about heaven and i don't mean the bible speaks about heaven a little bit the bible speaks about heaven a lot i mean a lot uh, I was uh, I was 
preparing this message, and I realize that there are several things about heaven that we must understand today. First of all, the idea, the concept, the belief, the truth of heaven is under attack. It's under attack. It's not just under attack by the secularists or the people who are nominal or by other, by other religions. No, no. It's under attack in the local church. Because for many of us, many of us, we have so bought into the idea of the kingdom of heaven being inside and being now that we don't put any thought into what our future eternity is going to be like. Heaven is under attack because many people have in their concept and in their mindset that heaven can wait. Heaven can wait. The Bible says it like this in Psalms 84. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. It's better to be in the presence of God. Paul the Apostle said to be absent from this body is to be in the presence of the Lord. And heaven is under attack. We've heard people say, well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But what I have experienced in my own life, in my own personal walk with God, is that I tend to be so earthly minded that I'm not very heavenly good. Our natural tendency is prone towards living and walking in the flesh. And so heaven is under attack, not just out there, but heaven is under attack in our own thinking because we can't understand, because there's so much confusion about the future and what it looks like. We live for the immediate. It's why we get so wrapped up in politics or we get so wrapped up in the current economic condition of our day. We get wrapped up in things that are temporal rather than looking through the lens of eternity and for those things that really matter. The second lie the second lie concerning heaven is that most people will go to heaven. It's, it, 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 I don't know about you, but when I start talking about heaven and hell and eternity, it's not, not an easy concept for me. This thought that God, the loving God who created mankind in his image, actually created a place where people will spend eternity in hell is not easy. We're going to talk about it next week. You're not going to want to miss it. But there is a lie out there that says most people, if they just do good and they're nice to their neighbor and they take care of a couple of animals along the way and, you know, and, and, and maybe give a few bucks to, you know, when Hurricane Michael came through and threw a, bucks, a few bucks towards Salvation Army or some good cause, that they're going to make it. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13, this is Jesus. Everyone say, this is Jesus. Jesus telling his disciples, speaking about the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew chapter 5, a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I with a group of other people were actually sitting on the hillside where Jesus gave this sermon by the Sea of Galilee. It was mind-blowing. It was just, I mean, it was just a mind-blowing experience. But I sat there and I, I kind of could, could just kind of see Jesus teaching the multitudes. And Jesus has thousands of people that have gathered around him. And he's speaking to them and he's talking about the kingdom of God. And this is what he says. Enter through the narrow gate. Everyone say narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Wow. Wow. That's sobering. That's sobering to me. Uh, these aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus, the loving God, the loving Savior, who allowed himself to be nailed to a tree for you and I. The second lie is that most people are going to go there. And the third thing is that heaven is boring. 
Heaven is born. So I've heard people say, well, it's just if you ask most Christians what heaven is like, well, I think it's going to be one great big long worship service. Yawn. That's like a fate. I mean, I got to listen to some preacher up there for all eternity. Are you kidding me? We're just going to sing? Are you kidding me? Not heaven is anything but boring. And as we go through the scriptures and as we look at, and get some insight of what the Bible actually says about heaven, I want you to know heaven will be anything but boring. There will be celebrations. There will be singing. There will be dancing. There's going to be some stuff that we can't even fathom and imagine about a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible says that we will rule and reign with Christ. We will enjoy the presence the fellowship of a holy God who is all love, loves unconditionally. We will enjoy his presence forever and ever and ever, and we can't even fathom what that's like. I mentioned the book Imagine Heaven by a guy by the name of John Burke, and in this book he tells a story about a, a lady by the name of Vicki. Vicky's a fascinating lady. You can put her picture up on the screen for me. This is kind of a grainy shot. This is probably taken about 30 years ago. Vicky is a very interesting lady because Vicky was born blind, completely blind. She'd never seen a day in her life. She's been a case study for people that have had near-death experiences. She's, she's been one of the prominent case studies because the fact is that she had never seen a day in her life. You can find out more information. You can just go ahead and Google while I'm preaching to you right now. You can watch video clips and audio clips, and you can read her story. But Vicki was born blind, and when she was at the age of 22, she was singing, she was singing at uh, some place that she was at, and, and she got a ride home from a couple of people, and on the way home, she was in a car accident, a serious car accident. And she had what, what sociologists and what medical doctors call a near-death experience. They call them NDRs. She had a near-death experience. And what was so amazing about her near-death experience is that a woman who has never seen a day in her life. Now listen, if you only have four of the five senses and you're blind, you, can never, you cannot understand the concept of sight. We're, we, we born, we're able to, if we're born able to see, we can understand, we can picture, we can imagine what trees, or we can imagine what something in the future, you know, we can, we can perceive in our mind because we've had visual images before us. She has never had a visual image. It's been black all of her life. And in this moment, she actually died in the hospital. And as she, was, as she died, her body, she says her spirit, some spirit or soul, some part of her left, and she could see what was taking place in the hospital room. She gave such accurate detail when she came back to what took place, of what was taking place in that hospital room. And then she began to describe the events of heaven. It's mind-boggling. I mean, it's, you need to listen to it. You need to hear. I, I, I don't know what to think about all this. And a lot of people have explanations for how these things happen. But the fact that she could give such accurate detail about what took place and what she visually saw in her spirit person blows doctors away even today. 
just blows people away. As a matter of fact, two I'm just going to say this. She saw two children when she was 11 years of age. She was in a, a special, special school for children with disabilities. And there were two kids. They were 5 and 11 years of age who had severe disabilities. And they both passed away. And when she got to heaven, when she got to heaven, she was greeted by these two kids. These two particular kids, they began to show around heaven. And when she came back, she could describe exactly what they looked like. She had never seen in her life before. I mean, people are like, oh, this is freaky. This is getting weird. I, I don't understand all these kinds of things. But what I want you to get this morning is that there is a real afterlife. There is something that takes place the moment we breathe our last breath. Now, when we talk about heaven, you got to understand that the, there's a heaven that's in here. We sing God's kingdom come. We sing that song. Jesus' prayer was that we would pray that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus talked, listen, in the book of Matthew, 70 times Jesus talks about heaven. And he uses it in, re in reference to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And when they asked him where it was, he said, the kingdom of heaven is right in here. There is this reality that God's kingdom, it's called eternal life. It's what takes place the moment you're born again and brought into God's kingdom by faith, experiencing the grace and the love and the forgiveness of a Savior who died on the cross and resurrected for the, on the third day for you. That's the kingdom of heaven. But then there is an, another dimension of heaven. It's the heaven that when you look up into the sky and you see the sky and you look up and you see the sun and the moon, that's a heaven. But then there's another dimension of heaven. It's the, it's the heaven that we step into the moment that we breathe our last breath. This is the place that God dwells. This is the place that God rules. This is the place that, that God lives right now. It is the place where God lives right now. Isaiah chapter 66 says it like this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? You see, God doesn't need the, the hands of men to build him a temple. God has created a place called heaven. There is an, another dimension that takes place that we can't see with the physical realm. But I believe that that place called heaven is as real as you and I sitting here today. There's a place. There's a place where God lives, where God dwells. It's a physical place. It's a physical place. It's a real place. In Revelation chapter 21, we read those verses just a couple of moments ago, but I want you to look at just a couple of verses real quick, real quick here. The Bible says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Then, he will, then they, they, they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. You read this whole context of Revelation chapter 21. It's the place where God dwells. It's the place where God is. It's a physical, real place. John Burke, the author of the book, Imagine Heaven, said, Heaven is a place more real than our experiences on earth. Just like a two-dimensional black and white painting which exists within a three-dimensional room of color. So earth exists within new dimensions of time and space in which heaven and all of its wonderful new experiences experiences will be found so heaven's a real place so let's talk about what heaven is like 
Let's talk about what heaven is like. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what heaven is like. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. When we talk about heaven, what heaven is like, Paul the Apostle, who had some kind of experience of going up into this third heaven, this other dimension, said, listen, it's beyond human comprehension. We get glimpses of it. We get moments of it. Maybe you've been in a worship service, and the presence of God was so real to you. Maybe you've been in a moment, maybe at home, or you were just sitting there, and all of a sudden it just felt like in your spirit you were in another dimension. You just had this reality that God was so real. He was so real to you. Paul, the apostle, said he went into the heavens. and He said, this is beyond my human comprehension. This is beyond what I can humanly understand. But the Bible does give us some things that heaven is not like and some things that heaven is like. So trying to describe heaven, I've kind of thought of it like this. When I was a little boy, my mom would get the Sunday newspaper. And every Sunday, I would open up the newspaper, and there would be a section where they'd have all the advertisements. It was inside of the comics, but there was a little magazine called the Parade Magazine. And I still remember, it was 1972. I was nine years of age, and there was an article on Disney World of Florida. And I remember as a nine-year-old boy trying to imagine Disney World. Never seen it before. I was trying to imagine in my mind this magnificent place created by man, supposed to be the happiest place on planet Earth. But I couldn't quite conceive of it. The first time that we came to Disney, I I had an aha moment, like, wow, this is an amazing place. That's kind of like, I mean, in a small way, not a perfect example, but, but in a small way, we're trying to describe heaven as like, like a little child. You're trying to explain them what this incredibly beautiful place is like. But I do know some things that heaven is not like. The first thing that I want you to know that heaven is not like or the things that you won't find in heaven is that you won't find Satan or no stinking demons. Come on, someone said amen. You won't find Satan in heaven because the presence of God is there. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10, then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Someone ought to say amen. Come on. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophets. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the first thing I can tell you what heaven won't, the, the first thing that won't be in heaven today is the devil. The devil and demons will not be in heaven. It'll be a place in, that not only is Satan absent, but sin will be absent. Sin will be absent. The capacity, the ability for sin, the struggle that you feel as a believer in your flesh between choosing to do good and to do evil, it'll be gone. It'll be complete. Come on. Someone ought to shout Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 24, Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy. God's going to bring you with great joy into his glorious presence in heaven without a single fault. No more sin. Not only will there be no more sin, but there will be no more sickness. Come on. 
No more sickness. No more pain. No more shame. No more guilt. No more aches. I woke up this morning and I had an ache in my knee. No more. Pastor Esteban woke up this morning, blood pressure elevated just a little bit. No more. Come on. No more sickness. No more disease. No more suffering. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For, uh, Revelation chapter 21 says, and he will wipe. Oh, either one. Either one will work. I don't care. 1 Corinthians 15. Okay, go ahead. We'll leave. Revelation 21, we like this one. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Come on, someone said amen. Come on, let's just give God a great pick. Right now, let's just thank him this morning. These things will not be in heaven. But what are some things that are going to be in heaven? Come on, let's talk about that. Things that you will find in heaven. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is just to give you a little glimpse. This is to whet your appetite. It's like going out to dinner at a fine restaurant and they serve you a little consomme soup. It's got nothing in it. You just paid 15 bucks for a little boy bowl of broth and they give that to you to whet your appetite for something better. Things that you're going to find in heaven. The first thing that you are going to experience in heaven is that it's going to be a grand reunion with every other believer. My mother is going to be in heaven. My father is going to be in heaven. I got grandparents. I've been pastoring for 30 years and I've done so many funerals. They call me the funeral guy. I, ha I have this moment. I know that when I cross the other side, I'm going to see them. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle says it like this. The Living Bible states that this was God's purpose. That when the time is ripe, when the time is ripe, when your appointed moment is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are in heaven or on earth to be with him, Christ, forever. We're going to gather together with a great cloud of witnesses. Revelation chapter 7 says it like this, And after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb of God. And they were wearing white, white robes, and they were holding palm branches, and they were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation and honor belong to our God. You know, at City Church, we have a core value. We call it everyone welcome. It's like our third core value. The term that we use is better together. But everyone is welcome or welcome home. And we've opened our hearts to this community. We've opened our doors to every man, woman, boy, and girl, regardless of their gray race, regardless of their brokenness, regardless of their pain or their shame or their guilt or their, whatever they're carrying in life. Because we believe that's the heart of God. The heart of God is to welcome home every person who will receive his grace and his gift of love. There's going to be a great reunion. The old songwriter said, there's going to be a, get, a giddy up morning. There's going to be a grand reunion in heaven. And the host of heaven, Hebrews chapter 12, says there's a great cloud of witnesses. They are cheering us on. We, we are going to cross the other side. And we're going to be greeted by this grand reunion of heaven. 
The second thing that we will experience or we will find in heaven is that there are going to be God-sized rewards. God has a reward for every person in this room. You know, we understand today that we are saved by grace. And we don't talk a lot about the rewards of heaven. But as you begin to study this truth, as you begin to study the scriptures and what they teach about heaven, what you will find that God has rewards for those who are faithful. Luke chapter 6, Jesus says it like this, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned that they might not repay. Then, come on, someone read it for me. Then your reward in heaven will be very great. I mean, over and over you'll find this idea, this concept. We'll be rewarded for how we've treated other peoples, how we've loved other people in practical and tangible ways. We'll be rewarded for how we steward our resources and our finances. We'll be rewarded for the way that we work in our jobs. We'll be rewarded because God has given to every person in this room a work. God has given to every person in this room a work to do. Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Everything in this life is a preparation. The way that we work in our jobs, the way that we manage our finances, the way that we love the most unlovable person in our world, we'll be rewarded for. Every... All of us are going to experience rewards. Some people get a lot of reward. Matthew 25, Jesus said, there's some people who were faithful with what they were given, and they're going to be given a lot more. There were some people who had gifts and talents and abilities and felt like that, you know, they never had quite had the time, and they just basically bought salvation, fire experience, and uh, insurance. They know they're going to heaven, but they've never really used their life for God's glory. Small rewards. I mean, I wish I had time just to teach. I mean, there's a whole teaching just on rewards here. Two judgments in heaven. Judgment of the sinner and judgment of the saved. The judgment of the sinner is at the great white throne judgment. And let me tell you, you don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. Revelation 21 says that the great white throne judgment, not only is Satan and the demons of hell and those who rebelled against God thrown into, thrown into hell, but so are those who rejected salvation and God's free offer of grace. It's a scary, scary passage. But then there's the judgment Paul talks about of the believer. The judgment of the believer is called the Bema Seat. And be re- we'll be rewarded for what we do in this life. There'll be rewards, incredible rewards. The rewards, and we go, well, what, what is this about? What does this look like? What it looks like is that because when you get to heaven, you're going to have responsibilities. God has responsibilities for every single one of us. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 2. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul the apostle says, Do you not know that the saints, everyone say saints, The word saints in the Greek is hagios. That's you and I. That's people who have been redeemed. People who have been bought with a price, have experienced God's grace. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? There are going to be responsibilities. 
There, the Bible says in Revelation 21, we just read the text at the very beginning, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. There's a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. And there's a real physical place of a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to have responsibilities. Heaven's not going to be boring. God knows how you're shaped. God made you. Jeremiah, the Bible says that be, before the foundation of the world, God knew you. God knows everything about you. And when you get to the other side, God says, you know what? I got responsibilities. You've been faithful in my kingdom. You've done what I've asked you to do. Here, come into my, come into my kingdom. I got this for you to do. God has responsibilities. And ultimately, when we get to the other side, it's going to be a time of great rejoicing. A time of great rejoicing. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is talking about those who've been given responsibilities and their faithfulness. And then he says at the very end, well done. Come on, everyone say, well done. My good and faithful servant, you've been faithful in handling a small amount. You were faithful in managing your checkbook well. Good job. You were faithful in showing up to your task on Sunday morning when you didn't want to get out of bed. You were faithful in getting up and going to work and providing for your family. You were faithful. You were faithful in handling the little task, the things that I've given you to do in heaven. So now I want to give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate. Come on, let's party together. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a rejoicing. There's going to be a shout. The Bible says that the hosts of heaven are going to be worshiping before the Lord. It's going to be a time of rejoicing. So what do we do with this? So what? I tried to cram two weeks, 700 passages into 35 minutes. I just wanted to give you a little appetizer today. Just to, to whet your hunger. To realize that heaven is real. There's something else beside this life. It's called eternal life. It's called eternal life. And we will live forever and ever and ever. So what do we do with this today? First of all, don't be distracted by life's temptations. Don't be distracted. Don't be deterred. Randy Alcorn in his book, The Treasure Principle, says your life is like a line with an arrow. Listen, your life, and you're a tiny little dot. And he says what happens to about 90% of people is that they live inside of the dot. They live inside of the dot of budgets and finances and kids and family and all those things are important. But they take their eye off the end. They take their eye off the end. We can get distracted by life's temptations, sexual pleasures, the stuff, success, all these things can distract us from those things that really matter. But what God wants you and I today is to focus on things that last. You know what's going to last today? Our relationships. Relationships that you build with other people. Relationships that you have. Jesus said, don't store for yourself treasures on this life. But store it for yourself treasures in heaven. Relationships focus on unconditional love, walking in forgiveness and grace towards other people. 
spending time, spending time with people in our lives that we care about. And then ultimately, reaching people who are far from God. Relationships are so important. But reaching people who don't know Christ is why we are created. You know, when we get to heaven, the only thing that we're going to take are those that we brought with us. We're not taking bank accounts. We're not taking stocks, portfolios. We're not taking any of those things. The only thing that we're going to take is the people that we've impacted for Christ. Last week, I received a letter. I just, I got to read just a part of this letter. I, I was so touched and so moved. This gentleman shared his story. He says, Pastor Eugene and Laura, I understand you're celebrating 19 years of bringing God's love to the city one person at a time. I wonder if you realized back then how precedent that motto would be. I imagine over the years, there have been days when you questioned if your ministry was going anywhere, if you really were reaching anyone, if you were really making a difference. Well, on this day, you're hearing stories of the difference you both have made in countless lives across the city and, in fact, the world. You provided a door for unbelievers to walk through and receive Christ's glorious gift of grace and salvation. You've lit a path for broken people to walk for healing and hope. You've made a place for kids to feel accepted and loved unconditionally and set them on, li on lives of ministry and leadership. You've comforted families in times of trouble. And then he says this, while you've touched thousands upon thousands of lives, you've indeed brought God's love to one unique person at a time. I am blessed in this moment to be one of them. It is because of the work it is because of the work you were called to do that I can now look in the mirror and know that there is a place in heaven for me too. And by his grace, maybe I might even be used to bring someone to Christ as well. Who knew that this was even possible? Wow. Heaven on this earth, taking as many people with us as possible. I want you to close your eyes. Father, thank you today. In this room, you know every person's life. <sighs> Lord, I felt so inadequate in trying to describe the beauty and the glory of heaven. Lord, I know it's beyond anything that I could imagine. I know, Lord, that there's something stirring in the heart of at least one person here. And you're here today. You're here today. The invitation is going out. For some of us, we're believers, and we know maybe we've gotten distracted. We're, we're just, we know we're way too focused in the immediate. We've lost sight of the eternal. And God's saying, hey, it all starts with relationships, the person right next to you. Loving them and offering unconditional forgiveness to the person who's difficult for you to love. That's where you start. That's, that's for the believer. But I believe there's someone in this room, you know your life isn't right with God. You've heard the invitation. You, you've heard the talk about heaven. You turn, Maybe you were here today. Maybe it's the very first time. But something inside of your heart knows that this is real and this is true. And there's a pulling. The writer says that it's like eternity that's been set in your heart. And it's pulling you to God. It's pulling you to his love. It's pulling to you to his grace and to his forgiveness. And you know today that your life isn't right with God. You know today. You know today that if you were to take your last breath, you know that you wouldn't be welcome into God's heaven. You don't know how you know, but you know that you know. 
And today I want you to know the invitation has been given to you. It's so simple. All you have to do is say simply, God, I receive your gift of forgiveness. I receive your love. Come into my heart and change my life. So simple. So, so simple. You're in the room today and you know your life isn't right with God. I'm going to give you this moment. I would, I would be amiss in a message speaking about heaven not to give at least one person in this room that opportunity to take that step and to be welcome to God's eternal glory. If you're here today and you know your life isn't right with him, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, in this room right now. Anyone here today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want everyone to stand with me in the room. Come on, just, just humor me just for one more minute. And I want you just to take your hands and just slip them towards heaven. Heaven is real. Eternity is real. God's calling us to live for the line for eternity beyond the dot God wants you to live your life for his glory Father every person in this room we're lifting our hands towards heaven and we're saying thank you thank you for the truth of your word thank you for the power of grace thank you that you whetted our appetite and our hunger for eternity we love you, Jesus. Bless your people this day in your wonderful name. And all of God's people said, amen. Put your hands together. Tell the Lord you love him this morning.